Hello, hello. Welcome. Special shout out goes to Wyatt Autry. Welcome to Wednesday, April 1st. And I'd like to uh, begin by taking us back to uh, 1998. And I promise we'll get on 1998 shortly. I promise. Um, I want to take us for a little a little bit to Afghanistan and link us up with um, Iraq. Um, shortly after the attacks, Mullah Omar, who we've talked about before, the head of Afghanistan, the leader of the Taliban, he actually uh, called the U.S. State Department. And this, believe it or not, is actually the first of multiple conversations between the United States and the Taliban. And um, basically, he's kind of warning uh um, America, uh, the president, I mean, uh, Clinton basically saying, look, you need to stop that. Like those attacks on coast Afghanistan, you know what that does? That's just increasing anti-American sentiments, like stop it. Um, and basically our response, America's response to him, Clinton basically said, look, yeah, we'll stop if you hand over bin Laden. Like you have to realize you're hosting a wanton man. So Mullah Omar is in a tricky situation because he realizes that some of his high-ranking Taliban believe that Osama bin Laden did not have the religious authority that he proclaimed he had. And he also, so he he wanted to keep the Taliban, especially the high-ranking ones, on his side and to keep the country unified under his reign. But he also was irritated with how defiant Osama bin Laden was. And no matter what he said, bin Laden clearly was going to do whatever he wanted. So uh, it was decided that bin Laden and Mullah Omar would have a face-to-face meeting. And Osama bin Laden in 1998 pledged a filial piety, like uh, basically, basically swearing his allegiance to him. And if you remember from a couple podcasts ago, I told you that Osama bin Laden and many other Muslim leaders at this time saw the Taliban as the true uh, and only efficient creation of a Muslim state at this time. So this was acknowledging that Omar was the leader of Afghanistan and a true Muslim leader. And so this kind of paved the way for a relationship between the two men, uh, allowing Osama bin Laden to remain in Afghanistan and then um, bin Laden helping financially with the Taliban. Um, Omar didn't view bin Laden as a threat and, and, and a friendship grew between the two. Uh, let's bounce to 1999. In February of 1999, uh, the CIA received intelligence that Osama bin Laden was camping with a group of Royal Falconers from United Arab Immigrants in Kandahar. And how did they get this information? Well, the tip came from a bodyguard of, uh, one of the princes from the UAE. And so a name I want to introduce you to is, um, he's CIA and he's sure he's, uh, his name is sure. S-C-H-E-U-R, Martin Shore. And basically, he is arguing for an immediate cruise missile strike, much like the one in Khartoum, Sudan, and coast Afghanistan. Basically, this will take out uh, Osama bin Laden. He has this knowledge, easy breezy. And he was immediately shot down by the military. And why was he shot down? Well, what the military argued, the Pentagon argued, is there'd be too much collateral damage. Uh, We had been recently working with the UAE on a new jet, um, and the UAE was was helping fund these jets. And so if these jets killed their princes, that would be not only 
it would be damaging to our relationship with the UAE, but also it would cut off our funding from the UAE for these new jets that were going to be our new forms of assassination moving into the year 2000. Also, he couldn't give enough information proving that bin Laden was actually with the Falconers. Were they actually there? It's assumed that they were there and, and give an exact pinpoint. He could not provide that kind of pinpoint. Also, think about Operation Infinite Reach. This was extremely controversial. And so the military is like, no, we're, this is, we just got done doing that three months ago. There are too many people that know about this that it, it ended up hurting us more than helping us. Uh, at this point, Martin Schuer, the CIA guy, completely lost his mind. He went, just cussed everybody out, and he actually was dismissed from his post in the CIA. The reason why that's very important is because once he's dismissed, the um, relationship between the CIA and the FBI continues to disintegrate, and that's really important as our jihadists are making their way into LA and taking flight schools and the CIA not sharing information with the FBI, et cetera, moving right along. So what's going on with Iraq? Well, could Saddam Hussein be a possible ally for bin Laden? Well, they both share a love of revenge. They both at this point don't like America, uh, but they both are alpha males and um, it could potentially be a, a, a difficult situation of who's going to be the main alpha in this relationship. Now, <clears throat> I need to introduce you to one other really important man at this point that's going to shape a lot of our, our 2000s, and his name is Abu Musab al-Zakharawi. Now, he's different from Zaharari Ayman in that uh, Ayman Zaharawi, he is bin Laden's right-hand man. He's the head of al-Qaeda now. Zarqari, he is, um, he's different. And so a little bit of background and information about him is he is born in Jordan. He's Jordanese in 1966. And he really doesn't have much in common with bin Laden at all. He, uh, he comes from an influential Bedouin family, but we literally know nothing about his family. Where Osama bin Laden not only came from an influential family, but we have copious amounts of information about his background, about his childhood, about his mom, about his dad, etc. Um, he went to Afghanistan in 1989, however, does not meet bin Laden for quite some time. Just one little random fact about him is his best friend is a dude by the name Alhami. And just what's interesting, why I tell you the story, well, I'll tell you the story, then I'll tell you why I'm telling you the story. It, um, Alhami actually lost a leg in, in a battle, and um, he was depressed and, you know, was, was real sad because he assumed no woman would marry a man with only one leg. And Zakharawi basically says, look, I'll, you can marry my sister. And uh, so they get married. Why I'm telling you the story is because the marriage was actually videotaped, and it's the only true official publica- video publication of him um, from this time period that was released and that we, ha- we have. So it's, that's your random story about that terrorist. Um, there are four major turning points in his life. The first is that trip to Afghanistan in 1989. When he went to Afghanistan, that was the first time he left Jordan. He was young. Uh, he, he knew nothing about Al-Qaeda. He knew nothing about this global jihad. Uh, he, he was very impressionable, right? And so at this point in Afghanistan, he's learning about, wow, there's this whole concept of global jihad and you know, making all Muslims come back to true Islam. The next major 
aspect of his life occurred from 1993 to 1999. And we're going to call those his prison years because he gets busted a couple of times um, and he ends up in prison. And much like many of our other uh, hardline modern day jihadists, prison hardens him, hardens his view on the world and truly makes him into a radical thinker. You know, one thing, one thing about him is before he made his way to Afghanistan, he wasn't really into Islam. He had tattoos. He had, uh, I mean, really and truly, he, um, he had committed, I believe it was 37 crimes, and it was uh, a Muslim sheikh who had committed him to confess his sins and wash away all this badness. And because tattoos are seen as, as, as very sinful in Islam. So, that's another huge difference with uh, Osama bin Laden is Osama bin Laden was, was raised as a devout Muslim. The third big point in his life was after prison, he returned to Afghanistan and he met a very, very important man whose name is uh, Al-Magdisi. And Magdisi truly hated Shias. So if you remember the split between Sunni and Shia, that's really important because Zarqarari's main, um, although him and bin Laden don't get along, one of their main differences is uh, Zarqarari, A, wants to start off with transforming, transforming Jordan. So if you remember when we're looking at the goals of these jihadis, some of them have near goals, like focusing on one country, and some, like bin Laden, have far goals, like global jihad. So he's more of a near jihadist, but most importantly, that will change, but most importantly, he hates Shias, and Osama bin Laden's mom is a Shia. All right, and that's going to be a huge problem uh, for the two men. They didn't get along from day one, and they're very much not going to get along further down the road. The final big stage of his life is when he moves to Iraq. Um, and that'll be um, after the uh, American invasion in Iraq. And that's where he becomes his own. And he, uh, what he does there will, will give him a huge name and a huge public audience. Um, so on that note, we will pick up with 1999 tomorrow. Again, a thank you, Wyatt, for the song suggestion. Stay happy, stay healthy, and make good choices.